welcome to the Leave Insert Guidance podcast. My name is Dunnick O'Mahony and I'm a secondary school guidance counsellor. Make sure you hit that follow button on the at Leave Insert Guidance Instagram page if you're not following. And subscribe to Leave Insert Guidance podcast to get regular updates on new episodes. On today's show I'm joined by Eileen Kelligan from the CAO. Eileen outlines common mistakes made by CEO applicants and gives advice to CEO applicants on the best way to approach the application. So Eileen Kelligan from the CEO, you're very welcome back on to the Leave and Start Guidance podcast. Thanks for having me, Donica. Well, it's great to have you on, Eileen, and get your uh, expertise in all things CEO. Um, and the CEO, we were kind of just talking, is become a year-round thing now. You were literally just finished 2021 rounds when the 2022 CEO opened back up. Yeah, I think we had just over two weeks between close of 2021 season and uh, 2022 starting, so... Um, yeah, it's all go. You get confused what year it is in here. Sometimes. Yeah, I'd say that, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there has been a few changes for 2022, particularly to the CAO website. Could you tell our listeners what those changes were? Yeah, so um, we changed the homepage of the website slightly just to um, make it a little bit easier for applicants and their parents and um, guidance counsellors and everybody to um, find all of the resources on our website. So, um, you know, for I suppose for some applicants, they might not have been familiar with the website before now anyway, so they won't notice it. But um, for some, you may notice just a slight change with the um, blocks on the homepage there. Um, For applicants, if you click into the applicants box, you know, you'll find everything in there from video guides to information on exemptions, uh, information on restrictions, change of mind and so on. So it's definitely important, um, you know, from an applicant perspective to click in there and become familiar with um, all of the, you know, if you have a, a question, if you're unsure about something, it would probably be dealt with in the applicants box. Um, and then for any parents who are watching um, the parents section, we have a parents guide um, and a couple of things that would be of interest to you as a parent. So a link to the video guides and um, the demo application form and um, also, you know, link to the handbook and so on. So um, just trying to simplify everything for um, applicants as much as possible and make sure that you're um, familiar with all of the resources. We also added in um, a, a box for further education and training and apprenticeships. And if you click on this box, it will bring you to a page where it will give you your options from uh, further education, apprenticeships and um, higher education. Um, If you click on higher education, you will be brought to the courses page on the CAO website for all of the courses that you can apply for through CAO. Um, And if you click on the further education box, you will be brought to fetchcourses.ie where you can search the courses that have been made available on that website. And if you click on the apprentice box, you can go to apprenticeship.ie and find out information there. So you cannot apply for further education or apprenticeships through the CAO website, but you can find all of this information. So it'll help you when you're trying to make a decision on what you want to do when you finish school and just be aware of all of the different options that are available to you, not just through CAO. Yeah, I suppose when you're doing that research, it's it's kind of a one-stop shop now. If you're looking at your CEO, you might see others, oh, FETs there and, and apprenticeships. So I'll have a quick look at those while I'm here, which is great. And you did mention the demo application. I think as a guidance counsellor, I have to really stress to students how great of a resource this is because they're always worried that they're going to make a mistake. They're not sure what uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be asked or what uh, the, the application is going to entail. So I always say, go on and do the demo application. Have a little look. It's yeah. ideal. It's a brilliant resource. 
Um, So I was at the CEO conference this year and there was advice given to guidance counsellors. If anyone's listening, there's a a guidance counsellors conference uh, put on by the CEO. It's brilliant. And they gave some advice um, for applicants for 2022. And the first one, Eileen, was students should check all correspondence and emails from the CEO. Can you talk about that one? Yeah, I mean, if I could have some some flashing lights and <laughs> and warning sounds um, to accompany me when I'm giving this message out, it would be great. So, yeah, um, you know, you're all everybody's so focused on their exams and, you know, getting those excellent results in order to obtain um, whatever it is that they want to do after they um, finish school. Um, but please don't. Um, you know, let all that hard work be in vain by not checking your emails for correspondence from CAO. So um, we email applicants. So when you when you register first, you'll get an email from CAO and it'll have your application number and a verification code. Um, so, you know, it's important to verify your email address. Make sure that um, emails are going to the correct email address for starters. Um, if your emails from CAO are redirecting into your spam or your promotional folders, as can be the case sometimes, make sure to address that and just mark them as not spam so that you're getting the notifications for them. Um, I am aware that a lot of you probably have uh, hundreds of notifications coming in through your email account um, from everything you've signed up for and subscribed for throughout the year. So um, in this instance, you know, do keep an eye out for CAO emails, but Um, in your account, when you log into your CAO application, there's a correspondence section. And in that correspondence section, all of the emails that CAO have sent to you are recorded there. So get into the habit of logging into your account and checking the correspondence section to make sure that there isn't anything you might have missed. And do keep an eye out for your emails. Find some way to mark those CAO emails so that you're getting a notification for them when they do come in. And it's not just CAO who will email you. Sometimes the institutions that you have applied um, to will email you. They may have some additional assessment or something that you have to complete for the institution. So it's really important to check for this. Um, Other times that you receive an email from CAO, I'm not going to list all of them because every applicant um, can be slightly different. There may be something that we spot on your account and we may email you. But as regards bulk emails, um, we'll send some reminders, you know, when a deadline is coming up, like for um, just coming up to the 1st of February or to encourage you to put in your course choices. Um, But the most important email uh, is the statement of application email, which goes out in May. In the past, this used to go out by post, but now it's, it's going out by email. And it's a prompt to make sure that you log into your account to check and double check and triple check that all of your information is correct. And it goes out in May. I think it went started going out on the 10th of May um, last year, or well, this year, but for last year's applicants. Um, so at some point in May, the email will go out. You will log into your account. You'll follow the instructions in that email, um, which are basically to check are all your personal details correct? Um, and most importantly, are your examination details correct? Um, a lot of people will assume that if they're, for example, if you're doing the leaving certificate this year, um, a lot of people think that, you know, the CAO and the SEC are, are you know, linked or in some way the, the one organisation. But um, you need to check that the 
exam number. So when you're making your application first, if you're doing the leaving certificate this year, you won't have your CAO or your leaving cert exam number. So you'll take a box to let us know that that is how you want your application to be assessed. And there is a matching process that takes place between CAO and State Exams Commission. But when you log into your account in May, you have to check the number that's on your account matches the number that state exams have sent to you. Do not assume because there's a leaving cert exam number there recorded for you that it's correct. Get the number that you receive from the state exams, compare it to what we have in your account. Um, and if there's a mis- if there's a, a, an error, and there are errors at times, there are times when there is an incorrect number there, um, or there is no number recorded for you. Now, May is your chance to get back to CAO and to update your exam numbers. So, you know, it's fine when you find out in May, um, but you do not want to be in the position in August, if it's August that the offers come out, um, where you realise that either your exam number was missing or it was incorrect. Um, And then you've missed out on an offer in round one and you have to update your information in time for round two. And you cannot be guaranteed an offer in round two if your examination information was correct. The colleges will do their best to facilitate you, but really, you know, you cannot be guaranteed. So check the exams. And if you have an exemption, check that your exemption is recorded. Make sure there's nothing missing or incorrect in your account that might mean you miss out on a place in round one. Um, Anybody who might be repeating the leaving certificate, make sure that all sittings of the leaving certificate are recorded, that the year is correct and the exam number is correct. Um, And I mean, there are obviously other applicants who are probably watching or listening today that um, are applying on the basis of other qualifications. So you might be applying as a mature applicant. So you might be having to check other elements um, of the form, not just leaving certificate number. Or if you're a QQI applicant, make sure your PPSN is correct. Um, And then in, in May, there's a facility there where if there is an error, you can click in and update your information online. So it's very straightforward. Um, And then you'll be asked to confirm that your account information is correct. Um, So don't just get the email, log into your account, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on confirm. Only confirm if you've checked that everything is complete and correct. Because that did happen. We did have some applicants who had confirmed that their account information was correct when in fact it wasn't. Um, Sometimes then... Some people neglect to follow this instruction in May or there are updates or there is something that's spotted and CAO may email again. Um, And last year, you know, we were emailing some applicants in July to say that, you know, either we think you've forgotten to include something in your account or, you know, can you please check your account is correct, your information is correct. Um, And some applicants didn't get these emails and failed to act on them um, and then as a result missed out on an offer in round one. So I hope I'm not scaring you all too much, but it's just to show the importance that if you log in, read the email, follow the instructions and check for emails. Don't just say it's May, it's June, I've done my exams, I'm finished, I'm off the hook now until August. Um, You know, your application is still being processed um, right up until um, the offers are coming out, so please do log in and check those emails. And I hope I haven't gone on too long about mm-hmm. that, but it is so important. Um, and this year, you know, there were a, a number of applicants who had no leave insert exam number recorded on their account. And uh, thankfully, um, I, I, you know, I think they were dealt with in round two. But as I said, it's not always a given that you will be. And it's a long wait. So would that be the most common common mistake uh, from an applicant is forgetting to go back in? So say I open up mine now uh, and I get my CAO number, but I don't think I get my leaving cert number till the end of January. 
and I forget to go back in and put it in. Is that the most common mistake a CEO applicant can make? Uh, it would be one of the most common that um, they haven't logged in when they got their exam number uh, logged in in May to check that the exam number is recorded correctly. So that would yeah. be one of the very common ones, yes. Or not informing us of all qualifications. So maybe you might have somebody who has um, QQI qualification and leaving search, but they forget to supply the PPSN. Or the other one being those who have multiple sittings of the leaving certificate only maybe giving us one leaving cert exam number. We, we need okay. to know the exam number for each year and not just the, the most recent one. And you said something there as well. I think this is interesting because, again, I know students that open up their account, put in their courses and then kind of don't log back into the account at all. But you said kind of make it a regular thing that you pop back into your account to check out the correspondence, the emails, whatever the case may be. Yes, definitely. Log log back in, um, particularly, you know, um, before the change of mind closes is one that we've, we would have always advised that even if you started your application and you did it in January and you didn't change your mind in the intervening period, um, there's still no harm in just logging back in before that 1st of July deadline to make sure that you're happy with all of the courses that you've listed and that you had them listed in the correct order. You'd obviously be logging in in May to check, you know, when you get the, the prompt about the statement. Um, but you should also log in again in um, June and July. But keep an eye on your email so that I guess, you know, you, you log into your account, check your correspondence section. But for more timely updates, just to keep an eye on the, not- the email notifications from CAO. And it's dead easy and quick to log in. You know, it's just your yeah. your number, your date of birth. Uh, and your, and password. your password. Now I have to say, I've had a stu- few students who've forgotten their password. So if you can keep your password somewhere yeah. safe, uh, and well, then- it's easy to reset your password yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and one problem that um, people encounter sometimes is they get locked out of their account because okay. they're yeah they're have entered the wrong password or wrong date of birth too many times and they get okay. locked out. Um, now if that happens during business hours, you know, you just email CAO and we'll unlock the account. But if it happens in the evening time, um, the account will be automatically unlocked overnight. So okay. you can go back in and try again the next day. But And that's all fine if, you, if this happens, you just, you know, um, December or, you know, in the middle of May or whatever. But if it's coming up to a deadline, so if you suddenly get locked out of your account on the 1st of July and you want to get in and change your courses, you know, this could pose a problem for you, which is why we always say don't leave everything to the last minute um, because you do not want to, you know, miss out on making a change or a correction because you left it to the last minute and um, don't start your application at uh, five to five on the 1st of February. (laughs) Please don't put yourself under that unnecessary stress, you know, get the application in early. Um, Putting off starting an application, um, I think a lot of it is, I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't have the application started before Christmas, that why you wouldn't get your CAO application number. You don't need to put in your courses. Um, In order to get the number, you don't mention courses anywhere. So all you need are your personal details and your payment details and to tick a box to let us know how you want your application to be assessed. So it's really, there's nothing to, to stop you doing it. And it's cheaper if you do it before the 20th of January. So that would be my advice anyway yeah. and don't right. put yourself under the stress of being one of the and people do apply on the first February and they do apply at five to five but I don't think anybody watching or listening to this podcast 
will be one of those people. No, well, I, like early bird means it's 30 euro and it's 45 after the 20th of January. So even to save yourself a few quid, I couldn't see why. Yeah. You do, it doesn't even take that long to set up an account. Um, you'd be done in a few minutes. Uh, I think yeah. Um, Just don't autofill. Don't, don't autofill. <laughs> okay, good advice. Well, I don't even know if that facility, if that, if, if you're actually allowed to do that. But you know, I have that a lot with with stuff that I'd be filling out. You know, and it autofills. Um, but you know, you'd want to be careful when you're doing the the CEO application to type everything in carefully because okay. that's the number that will, or that's the name that will be beside your application. Date of birth, actually, Donica. If I can just be very bold and 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 take this opportunity. So many people put in an incorrect date of birth, and I I don't know what it is if it's somebody else maybe starting an application maybe a parent is doing it and they have the wrong date of birth for their child um or if they're putting their own date of birth in instead of their child's um but and sometimes people put in the day that they're applying they get confused and they put down the current day's date um so anyway just be careful because when you are logging into your account you need your date of birth and your password and your account number. So people would be on to us then saying, I've got the correct password and I've got my correct CAO number and I can't log in. And it's generally because they're using the wrong date of birth. So just just a little. I'd say, I'd say if you're allowed, tell the stories of some of the things <laughs> you've seen. Uh, so the second thing at the CEO conference that came up was, and again, this comes up every year, students ask me as well, when it comes to the offer stage, students can often be hesitant, say in round one, to accept an offer that was lower down on their list in case they don't get an offer in subsequent rounds. So what's the, the story around that? Yeah, um, we got that. That's one of the most common questions that I get um, at the offer stage. And um, if you receive an offer, you should firstly look at that offer as potentially the only one you might get because, you know, there, there's, you know, possibly only two to 3,000 offers issued in round two. Um, so, you know, you can't be guaranteed of an, a round two offer. Um, there's no reason why you shouldn't accept unless you really don't like the course and you have absolutely no intention of, of doing that course, obviously. But um, accepting your your uh, say your fourth preference in round one will not prevent you from um, being considered or from receiving an offer of a higher preference in a later round if you're deemed eligible. So if in round two, you suddenly became, um, you know, a place became available and you were next on the waiting list for your second preference course, for example, um, then you would receive an offer of the second preference, regardless of whether you had accepted the first round offer. Or if you hadn't accepted the first round offer, it doesn't matter. If you're eligible for a higher preference offer in a later round, you'll receive that offer. And then you can decide to accept it, which will automatically cancel the previous acceptance. Or you can do nothing if you wanted to continue with the course that you'd already accepted. But definitely there's uncertainty. People are afraid to click accept um, in case this means that they definitely they'll be out of the running for anything else. So don't be don't be worried about that. Accept the course. Um, if you decide down the line you don't want to do it, you can cancel that acceptance as well. So. Yeah, so it's great. And it gives you a few options there as well that, look, I can stay where I am or I can decide to move up. So, you know, you're yeah. in a really good position there as well if you do get. Yeah. Uh, we actually had an admissions officer on earlier on in the year and he was saying that generally 98% of the course places are filled in the first round. So he, he was kind of saying, what you, I wouldn't be waiting around looking for subsequent yeah. round offers because they might not come. Uh, and then the third thing, the third and final thing that was mentioned at the CEO conference was genuine order of preference. And this is something I 
talk about every year, but it, it'll be fresh to six years this year. What exactly is genuine order of preference? Yeah, so it, genuine order of preference is, to put it as simply, is just listing your courses from one to ten with your favourite course in first place, your second favourite in second place, and so on, right the way down to number ten on your level eight and on your level seven, six list. Um, fill out as many of the options on both lists as possible. Um, you know, particularly don't forget about your level seven, six list um, because, uh, you know, a lot of the courses on the seven, six list will have progression pathways into level eight um, courses. So don't rule that out. It will give you plenty more options at the offer stage. Um, don't apply any kind of logic to listing your courses. Um, some people do, I think. But um, if you just think of it as your dream course in first place, your second favorite course in second place and so on, right the way down. Um, nobody will know what the points are going to be. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen that in the last couple of years, how much points can change. Now, obviously, they were um, exceptional, uh, exceptional years, but... Um, Points can fluctuate for a variety of reasons, so we'll leave the, the, the pandemic out of it, but in a, in a, a normal year, points will fluctuate. Um, for a start is the number of people who apply for the course, um, the number of places that are available. So the number of people who apply for a course, the course might be more popular in one year than the next um, or, or less popular. Um, the number of places, the HEI may suddenly have an extra... 10 or 15 places on a course, or they may have fewer places. So they will all impact on points. Um, and the performance of applicants in a given year. Um, so, you know, we've, we've seen uh, the impact of that last year. Or, you know, so it's basically, there are those three factors that can impact points for a course. Courses can fluctuate either way by 30 or 40 points, sometimes more. Um, so I, I tend to tell applicants try and, and not get too bogged down by the points when they're listing their courses. If you put the course highest up in your list that, that you, you know, you'll get the course highest up in your list that you're deemed eligible for. So that's um, we get people ringing us and at round one offers saying I got my um, third preference or I got my second preference course, but I, act, I didn't think I was going to get it. Um, I would have actually preferred my third preference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this, this is the hardest one to deal with because there's nothing you can do. If you got your second preference, you're not going to get your third preference, your fourth or anything lower than it. You're either getting your second preference and maybe getting your first in a later round, but you're not going to go down the list. Um, and why put the course down there if you didn't want it? You know, yeah. just putting it down there because it had high points and you thought you wouldn't achieve the place on it it makes you know it doesn't make any sense to have that course down there and to have it higher up than one that you really wanted yeah but some people will rank courses based on the points um and based on their own kind of assessment of how well they think they're going to do um and it it, it does unfortunately um end up with people being disappointed and, and getting a course that they didn't actually want so that's that's the only way i can kind of try and get the message across is by using that example you know and we do have so many contacting us and it's really hard because they're like I they're, they're saying to us I have points for that course I really just want the third one can I not just have yeah, it yeah, yeah. but that's not how our order preference system works you know there's no moving down once you get 
a high pre- a second preference. It can only be second or first. Can't be anything lower. So uh, you mentioned points there, and even a few of my own students wouldn't forgive me if I didn't ask you. But it is impossible to uh, make a prediction on points. Like even you, who works in the CEO, right up until the last day, probably till the res- you know the offers yeah. come out you're probably not going to really know what the points are because there's so many determining factors. So what is the outlook, I suppose, for 2022? Gosh, I mean, I, 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 really can't answer that um and i know it's a question that everybody has um how points are determined for a course i think some people think the um that the colleges will just come along and say that um x course is going to be 350 points this year um and that's not actually how the courses or how points are um decided so um when you have say 100 applicants for a course and first thing we'll do when the results come out is we'll check the 100 applicants for each course or however many applicants for each course. But we'll take this example of one course that has 100 examples, 100 applicants. Um, we will get their results and we'll check and see if who meets the minimum entry requirements. And maybe 80 of the 100 will meet the minimum entry requirements. So then we calculate their point score for those 80 applicants for that course. And we place them all on a list with the person with the highest scores going to the top of the list right the way down to number 80. And then the college will come to us and they'll say, we actually have 40 places on that course. um, And we will issue offers to the top 40 people on the list of applicants who were eligible. Um, And the point score of the last applicant to receive an offer. So the applicant in 40th place um, are the points that you will see published for round one. So you can see how like, if their applicants perform better or not as well in a given year, then that points cut off for that course could be higher or lower. Um, and that's that's how the points are decided. So really until right up to the, the offers are coming out at 10 in the morning, you know, right up until um, just before that, HEIs are agreeing how many places they have yeah. on that course and how many offers to issue. Um, so you know really it's it's impossible to predict until the mm-hmm. offers issue and, mm-hmm. the, and there's no point in in getting to kind of I know it's, it's easy to say when you're not the one sitting the sitting the exam or waiting on the offer but there's no point in in getting too worried about that if you have your courses listed in order of preference you will get the course highest up that you're yeah. deemed entitled to and there's no amount of reading trends or trying to to guess what it's um what the outcome is going to be just focus on reading your emails from yeah. CEO <laughs> and making sure your information is all correct and that you're happy with the order of your courses and everything else will, will sort you're absolutely right even about the course places like because i know there were some courses very last minute got additional places last year in in, uh, in different healthcare ones so it even is impossible for you guys to even know how many places are we even distributing and uh, we have mm-hmm. our list but we don't know how many so like we said at the start, it is impossible, even if you're working within the CEO or working within the HEI, to uh, let someone know what you know the points are going to be. Um, okay, so uh, before we go on to the frequently asked questions, um, I want you to give some advice to students who have not signed up for the CEO just yet. Oh, uh, what is stopping you? <laughs> Um, get it done before Christmas would be my advice. Um, you know, there's so much uncertainty at the moment and um, 
this is something that's straightforward. It's online. You can, you know, there's the the requirements to obtain the CAO number to start um, are just personal details. Tick a box to let us know whether you're leaving cert or if you have more than one qualification, tick each box that's relevant to you. Make your payment, get your CAO application number, and then log back into your account, the My Application section, and become familiar with your account and start updating your information. So any additional information you have to supply. Start entering some courses at this stage. You don't have to, um, you know, but it's a good habit to get into. Maybe just think, oh, what am I, what's my dream course? And maybe put that and a, and a second option down to start just to get familiar with entering courses and editing the, the courses list. You will have until the 1st of February to keep logging back into your account to add your courses and to update your account information. Um, if you are thinking of applying for a restricted course, get that down in your application before the 1st of February. Um, if you happen to forget to put it down before the 1st of February, there is a window um, between the 5th of February and the 1st of March for a fee of 10 euro. But again, um, you know, why pay the 10 euro? Yeah. Just get the course down on your application by the 1st of February. If in doubt about a restricted course, my advice is always to put it in. Yeah. You can always remove it, but you cannot introduce it after the 1st. Um, so if you're applying for either the HERE or the DARE schemes, um, definitely important to have started your application now. Um, there's there's extra work to completing the here and there sections. So, you know, the, the online forms need to be completed, but gathering documentation can take some time. And we are in the middle of um, an ongoing pandemic and things can take a little bit longer than they traditionally would have. So, uh, you know, start the process of gathering your here, there documentation before Christmas, if you can. Um, you have to have those documents into us by the 15th of March, um, you know, and you will require input for school leavers, you know, you'll require input from your guidance counsellor as well. So, you know, get that, get that ball rolling um, early. Don't be, you know, running to your guidance counsellor at the last minute as well, looking for, because they have to assist a lot of other applicants. So it's important to, um, to get that all started before Christmas, if you can. Um, because, you know, when we come back from Christmas, the 1st of February comes around very quickly. Yeah. Um, and the 20th of January is the discounted application fee. That's 30 euro. It goes up to 45 if you leave it to the 1st of February. Um, so, and I think it's good to have started the form before Christmas and kind of use Christmas to be chatting to family and um, about your options and kind of spending a bit of time researching your options over the Christmas break. So that 15th of March deadline doesn't mean like, you know, you can have it in a lot earlier than that. If yeah, you have it's not your, a target. Yeah, it's not a target. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, have it. that's that's the last date that you can send them in. And, and the deadlines in the CAO are very strict. So I can't stress that enough. You know, there is no ben bending, <laughs> bending the rules or, yeah. you know, they're published deadlines and they're strict in order to be fair to everybody. And, yeah. and that's 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 why. You, you can't expect to turn up on the 16th of March with your documents and that they'd be considered. Um, so don't use those deadlines as a target. You know, they're just there as final dates. But, yeah. um, so, and, and all of our deadlines uh, changed this year from, from to 5 p.m. They used to be 5.15 p.m. Okay, so. that's good to know. Yeah. Um, so a couple of, of 
questions, uh, kind of frequently asked questions. Uh, I know you'd mentioned the level six and seven. Why not fill out that list as well for a lot of the students? We actually had TU Dublin on um, two weeks ago talking about progression. They have 67 level six and seven courses with every one of them having a progression option. And, and we had a student on giving her um, story about how she started off on a level six and she's in her final year of the level eight now. And, and so the brilliant options and opportunities within those but a student did ask me, um, how does this, the CAO decide whether to give you your first choice between level six and seven and level eight? How do they decide? Um, well, at the offer stage, the two lists should be seen as two independent lists. So you have your level eight list, you have your level seven, six. And the only time you have to choose between those lists is if you receive an offer of both in the same round. So at round one, um, you may receive an offer of your first preference level seven, six, and you might receive an offer of your third preference level eight. So you've got two offers at round one. You can only accept one and you have to decide between them. So, you know, that, that's very much the applicant's, um, you know, decision to make whether they accept their first preference level seven, six, or for example, their third preference level eight. Um, if they accept their, um, you know, whichever one they accept, then if they accept the uh, level eight offer, the level seven, six offer will lapse, obviously, and they'll be proceeding with the level eight. Um, if they accepted, say, if they had received their third preference level seven, six offer at round one and their second preference level eight, and they accepted their second preference level eight offer in round one, um, their third preference offer off their level seven six list would lapse but they would still be considered for their second and first preference on the level seven six in later offer rounds if the place became available so two separate lists the only time you choose is at the offer stage yeah so that's good because uh, often that can be a question as well look if i if i take my level eight four choice could i still be offered subsequent rounds in level six and seven so that's good to know um, and you kind of answered this question already, but is it a waste of time to put high points courses uh, with uh, lower on your list than a lower point course? So if it's very high and I have a number three, is it a waste of time if a course has generally been quite low, but I prefer that one and put it number two? No, I mean, if that's you applying your order of preference, then, you know, um, if you want the, the course with the what you deem were the lower points in the previous year, say, um, if you want that more than the other higher points course, then, you know, it, it should be higher up on your list because you just put your dream course, the course you want most in first place, um, second favorite and second and so on, and try to, to avoid using the, the points. I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, sometimes, yes, if you have a, if you have your first preference, course down and um you know it came in at 350 or something in the previous year and then you put a a 600 point course down in in second place or a course that was previously 600 points um you know if you get your you know unless you know if you if you got 600 points in the the leaving certificate it wouldn't matter you'd still be getting your first preference course that you had that was down you know that was 350 points the previous year but if that's the course you really wanted then you know, that's that's perfect. That's what yeah. you should be doing. If it's your dream course, it's the one you really want to study. Sometimes uh, don't don't waste. Don't think you're wasting points. I know. I was going to say sometimes students think I've earned all these points. I need to spend them all, you know. 
Yeah, and and points are not necessarily, you know, an indication. They're not an indication of the the quality of the course. You know, it's it's more about the number of places that are yeah. available, the demand, and the performance of the applicants. You know, yeah. and some high points courses can be high points because there might be only fifteen or twenty places on them. You know. Yeah. Uh, Eileen, that's brilliant. I've got a feeling, Eileen, you and I will be talking again before uh, the academic year is over because you've given us some great advice. And even I've picked up a few uh, tips there today. The 5 p.m. one is a very interesting one. Um, So I'll have to note that. Uh, But Eileen, thank you so much for coming on uh, and a happy Christmas to you. And we'll talk to you in the new year. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye.